0: Welcome to my hometown, filled with murder, mysteries, the paranormal, and a fair share of hauntings. This is Local Legends. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Local Legends with Lark Farley. I'm your host, Lark. A little bit about the podcast, if you're new here. Basically, every Sunday, I share with you all stories that took place in my small hometown, Brown County, in Indiana. These stories range from true crime to the paranormal and everywhere in between. As always, all of the articles used in today's episode will be linked in the description should you want to read them for yourself. So, let's get into it. Today's episode is one that's going to have a little trigger warning at the beginning. Warning. The following is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. There will be discussions of crime scenes, violence, and the details related to a homicide investigation. So, if that is something you're not comfortable with click off now. I have some other episodes if you haven't listened to them all yet. Uh, or you can come back and join us next Sunday where we'll be discussing a story from the 1800s. It's a fun, wonky, little weird one that has nothing to, related to this type of true crime violence. Today's episode is one about the homicide of Tracy Sissom. Now, this is a cold case and is one that I found on a website called a study of indiana cold cases which is just like it sounds it's an archival uh, website that lists all of the cold cases from indiana and the one that they had listed for brown county is the one that we're going to talk about today tracy sissom was a 33 year old she was from indianapolis and she went missing on september 20th 2004 Now, she was packing up her apartment in Indianapolis and was packing all of her belongings from her apartment into a car that her parents had lent her. They let her borrow the car because she was going to be moving from her apartment in Indianapolis to her parents' home, which was also in Indianapolis. Tracy was moving due to the estrangement of her relationship. With her husband, so her and her husband were not on good terms. They were not living together currently, or on speaking terms, and she was moving out her out of her apartment that she had previously shared with her husband to her parents' home. People would later describe Tracy's relationship with her husband as toxic, and that they were not good for one another. There would be rumors circulating as well after the fact that Tracy was moving into her parents' home due to a recovery from a drug addiction. At 7.30 p.m. on September twentieth, two 2004, Tracy called her mother to let her know that she was done packing things into the car and was heading her way. Little did her mother know at the time but that would be the last time she would ever speak to or hear her daughter's voice. When Tracy never showed up that evening, her mother immediately began to worry and reported her daughter missing to the police a few hours later that same evening. Once police began the investigation, all of Tracy's neighbors, once they were interviewed by the police, claimed and had description of a suspicious vehicle that had been in the area the evening of Tracy's disappearance. The neighbors all described seeing a dark SUV, which, just as a side note, was not the vehicle Tracy was borrowing from her parents to move. On October 4th, 2004, police found the vehicle Tracy had been driving and had borrowed from her parents. The vehicle was found on North Oakland Avenue in Indianapolis. When police asked around the area that the vehicle had been located in regarding the vehicle, several witnesses claimed that a man and a woman had fled from the vehicle on foot and did not return to it. So I looked a little bit into this, and it seems like the police and the witnesses assumed that the man and woman fleeing from the vehicle on foot were homeless in the area that had broken into the car to stay the night. Because in that specific area where the car had been located, that was very common. If a car looked like it hadn't been, you know, used for a while or things of that nature, then the homeless would break into the car and sleep in there. Once the vehicle was examined, police found a partial box of ammunition in the vehicle. They were unable to pull any fingerprints from the ammunition box, however, as the entire vehicle, including the ammunition box, had been wiped clean of fingerprints. This cleaning was not due to the police. It is thought that whoever was the perpetrator of the murder and whoever was responsible for Tracy's disappearance was the one that swiped or cleaned the vehicle's interior. Which means that this crime had been calculated and pre-planned and that whoever was responsible knew exactly what they were doing as well as how to avoid detection. Now, at this point, you might be asking yourself, Lark, all of this took place in Indianapolis. Like, you know, she's from Indianapolis. Tracy's from Indianapolis. Her family's from Indianapolis. How does this all tie and have anything to do with Brown County? Well, on the evening of October 7th, 2004, a man from Brown County was driving in a rural area of Brown County that was near Naubum when he hit a deer. He made a report to the police about the accident of him hitting the deer so that they could come, you know, and collect the deer and dispose of it. But the tow truck wouldn't arrive to the scene to pick up his car until the following morning. It was also by that point too dark for the man to inspect the damage that had been done to his vehicle. So he decided that he would return early in the morning and, you know, check out his vehicle and be there when the tow truck showed up now little did this driver know that the next morning would lead to more discoveries than just that of his vehicle's damage when the driver returned to the scene the next morning and while he was looking along the roadside you know picking up pieces of of his car and just kind of like taking in the scene of where his car had been totaled by the deer he saw something odd and as he looked at whatever he was seeing, you know, he walked a little closer to it. As he walked, you know, it was, further, it was a little bit further away from where his car was. On the side of the road. In an embankment that was near the woods. The wood line. And as he gets closer to it, he was stated as saying that it looked like a pile of blankets had been left out. And he was like, that's really weird. Like, why would there be all these, all this, like, pile of blankets near the woods? So he goes closer to inspect it. But as he got closer, his face paled and his heart raced. Because what he found was not a pile of blankets. It was a body wrapped in a blanket. Now, police immediately released information about the body that had been found, hoping that someone would be able to identify the body. As by the time the body had been discovered, reported to police, and the police got it, it was already in a deep state of decomposition, which can make identification very difficult. The remains were so decomposed that they could not even identify the gender. The only aid police had in terms of identification was that the body had a tattoo of a chain on the ankle, as well as a flower on the backside of the leg. On December 17, 2004, the remains would be positively identified as those of Tracy Sissom. This was in part due to the Indiana University School of Forensic Science's analysis uh, that confirmed the identity of the dental records of the body. While the cause of death has still to this day never been released to the public, officers have gone on record as stating and confirming that Tracy's death was due to a homicide. At the time of Tracy's death, there was no trace of drugs in her system, which completely put to rest the rumors that Tracy had been suffering from a drug addiction. She didn't have any drugs in her system. She was completely clean. Tracy would be buried and laid to rest in January of 2005, Police would never be able to link Tracy to Brown County. None of Tracy's family had ever lived in Brown County or lived there currently, nor did any of her friends. She had no links whatsoever and no one had any idea why she would be in Brown County. And detectives were unable to find any leads as to who the perpetrator of this crime and who was responsible for her murder was. They've never been able to solve it. In 2006, according to an article titled Family Puts Up Reward in Unsolved Murder Case, Tracy's family put up a $10,000 reward in hopes that someone with any knowledge of what happened or who had killed Tracy would come forward. Tracy had been a mother of three and her children and her family begged that they deserved answers and that the person responsible for her murder be brought to justice. The hurt never goes away. We learn to deal with it as the days go by, the years go by. But does it get any better? No. That's a hole you have in your heart and soul, and that hole is going to always be there, said Tracy's sister, Shelley. As of today, there has not been a case update. Police have been unable to have any successful leads and Tracy's murderer is still out there. On the off chance that any of my listeners have any re- information related to this case or who could have been responsible for Tracy's murder, please contact the Indiana State Police at 812-332-4411. I hope that one day Tracy's murderer will be found out and brought to justice. You know, cold cases keep getting solved every year So I'm still holding out on hope that Tracy's murderer will one day be brought to light. Now, Tracy System's case is one of the ones that I had hinted at back in the episode I did previously a while back titled, Body Discovered in Brown County. And if you remember in that episode, you know, we went through the case, the body being discovered, And I said at the end of that episode that there were several other cases that had a lot of similarities to it. And Tracy Systems is one of them. So let's go through the similarities between Tracy Systems, body being discovered, and cause of death. And Angela, the body that was discovered in November of 2020, body being discovered in case as well. So both bodies had been discover- discovered in rural areas of Brown County alongside the road. Angela's body was found in Bean Blossom, and Tracy's body was found in Naba. Both bodies had been wrapped in blankets. Both women had no links whatsoever to Brown County. Both cause of death were confirmed to be homicides, and both women were from Indianapolis. Now maybe this is just all a coincidence, but all of these details just seem way too similar to me. As I've stated so many times before, Brown County is a small rural town, and the fact that women's bodies keep being discovered and under similar conditions in similar areas with similar details just seems like too many similarities to me. Angela's body was discovered in 2020 and Tracy's body in 2004, only 16 years between one another, and it is possible that whoever killed and disposed of Tracy's body is the same person who killed and disposed and is responsible for the murder of Angela as well. Now, regardless of if it is the same person or not, I hope that Tracy and Angela's murderer will be brought to light so that they can both finally rest in peace. So that's the case. The cold case of Tracy's system. It's always unfortunate to go into the details of a cold case because there is no justice served there and there's more mystery and more questions than there are answers. And for Tracy's case, it is such an old one and her body was in such a state of decomposition that it just prolonged the case and it made it a lot harder. And a lot easier for whoever did this to get off on it. But I do hold out on the hope that, you know, as these cold cases do yearly keep getting solved and investigators keep opening up and re-looking and re-investigating into cold cases, I truly do hope that cases like tracy's and angela's can be solved and that whoever did this to them does get found out a little side note you know one of the reasons these cold cases keep getting found out is because people keep doing those ancestry.com type sites so uh, shout out to everybody out there all my listeners sign up right now and just do that so that you're in the system so if anyone in your family is responsible uh, for these murders they get found out you know what i'm saying like absolutely sign me up i've already done mine If anyone in my family gets tied up, you know, I'm in the system, so they get a link through me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, let's find, let's find them out. Let's get them out and let's get justice served for their victims. Next week's episode is going to be in a totally different direction. It's going to be a weird one. It's, it's a weird one. It's one, we're going, we're, you know, shifting gears, changing the route. We like to keep it funky. We like to keep it fresh here. We're going back in time to the year 1899 and taking a look at a case of the abnormal and the strange, the odd. The oddity is just, you know, at the forefront of this story because it is a case of a farmer finding a two-headed snake. Yes, that's right. Two-headed snake and that whole situation it made front headline news in the brown county democrat in 1899 join me next week we're going to be discussing that case in more detail you know until then stay safe and hydrated and i'll see you all next sunday bye